In Their Own Words, a collection of Mormon quotations compiled by Mormonism Research Ministries' Bill McKeever is a valuable resource when wanting to know what Mormon leaders have said on a given topic. Pick up your copy at the Utah Lighthouse Bookstore or mrm.org. Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. Our thanks to Adams Road Band for that musical introduction, and we welcome you to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry, and with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. We are wrapping up our look at an article that was found on LDSLiving.com titled 10 Reasons You Should Be a Mormon, written by a Mormon woman named Stephanie Ruby Faldmo. And again, I want to emphasize, these are 10 points that she feels are very important as a Latter-day Saint, and certainly she wants to share them with others. But I think she makes a lot of mistakes regarding what her church teaches on some of these issues that she's trying to give us. And also, it seems to go against some of the history of the LDS Church when you look at some of these points also. And if you'd like to see what we've talked about so far, please go to our website, mrm.org, and there's an icon that says On Air. That will take you to a link that lists all of our past radio shows. Today, we are looking at points 8, 9, and 10. Number 8 is We Have Authority from God. No one can just stand up and decide they have authority from God to start a church. That's what people thought in the days after the death of Christ and his apostles. Many churches were formed, and people had this idea that they could start a church however they wanted. Many had good intentions, but that authority that was given by God to baptize, preach the gospel, and hold all the keys to run his church on earth was brought back and restored through a prophet, just as it was in the past. I wonder if Stephanie realizes that her first sentence is exactly at the heart of this whole controversy. When she says no one can just stand up and decide they have authority from God to start a church, as an outsider, that's exactly how I view Joseph Smith. Yeah. He all of a sudden comes up and claims he has authority from God, and what does he do? He starts a church. Okay, perhaps you're right, Stephanie, but... Why would you exclude Joseph Smith? Well, I'm sure her answer would be, well, because I believe he's a prophet of God. And my response to that would be, but see, that is the whole debate. There are a lot of things that Joseph Smith did and a lot of things that Joseph Smith said that in my mind would tell me he was not authorized by God to start this new church, certainly not called of God to restore the gospel. It sounds like, according to what she's writing, that she believes that pandemonium happened soon after the death of the apostles and that a group of people started to form new churches. I don't think she really understands church history, how the church was formed. Yes, there were schisms like in 1000, uh, we have the breakup of the Roman Catholic and the Eastern Orthodox Church, and then later, 500 years later, the Protestant Reformation. But it wasn't just instantaneous. And this idea that there is no authority is, I would say, quite offensive to those of us who are Bible-believing Christians, because what she's saying is that all authority was taken from us, and now they have the authority. Right. And of course, she does begin her article by hoping we don't take offense. And and so, but I think some people might just take a little offense. Mainly, though, 
I think it's because she just doesn't know her church history, as you've said. Yeah. And again, if she wants to believe this, she has every right to do so. And we, as a ministry, as individuals, would defend her right to believe these things, even though we may disagree with them. Then in point number nine, she says, we aren't perfect, but we have the same goals. She writes, lots of people think members of our faith are supposed to be perfect robot clones of each other. At least that's what it feels like sometimes. Nobody is perfect, and everyone in our religion, or any other for that matter, struggles with something. We may not always follow our faith perfectly, and we make mistakes, but most of us share a same goal, to try to follow the example of our Savior and be united as families for all eternity. Now, do you think she's assuming a lot with that last statement? I would agree with her statement that we are trying to follow the example of our Savior, Not that our attempts to follow the example of our Savior saves us because no human being can truly follow the example of Jesus. But when she says, and be united as families for all eternity, that's not really a goal that I have as a Christian, though I would most certainly love to see my family members saved and being in the presence of God throughout eternity. That isn't really the big thing in the back of my mind. It's much broader than that. But when she talks about not being perfect, nobody is perfect. Mormon leaders have addressed that many times. And guaranteed, there's a mixed reaction depending on who you're talking to. But I find when it comes to the general authorities of the church, they pretty much speak with one voice as to what's expected of a Latter-day Saint if they hope to receive the best the Mormon God has for his people. Let me give you one, for instance, and that would be Spencer W. Kimball who was a president of this church, and he wrote a book called The Miracle of Forgiveness. This is what he writes on pages 208 and 209. This progress toward eternal life is a matter of achieving perfection. Living all the commandments guarantees total forgiveness of sins and assures one of exaltation through that perfection which comes by complying with the formula the Lord gave us. In his Sermon on the Mount, he made the command to all men, Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect, Matthew 5.48. Being perfect means to triumph over sin. This is a mandate from the Lord. He is just and wise and kind. He would never require anything from his children which was not for their benefit and which was not attainable. Perfection, therefore, is an achievable goal. And then he also writes on page 286 this, In the context of the spirit of forgiveness, one good brother asked me, Yes, that is what ought to be done, but how do you do it? Doesn't that take a superman? Yes, I said, but we are commanded to be supermen. Said the Lord, quote, Be therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Matthew 5.48 We are gods in embryo, and the Lord demands perfection of us. Kimball also said on page 163 of the Miracle of Forgiveness that desire is not sufficient. In other words, it is not real repentance until one has abandoned the error of his way and started on a new path. He also says this on the next page, page 164, that trying is not sufficient, nor is repentance complete when one merely tries to abandon sin. And yet here she, she uses try as something that's a positive, and Spencer Kimball did not say it was positive. She also uses the phrase, we make mistakes. And yeah, we do. As a Bible-believing Christian, I make mistakes. I sin, sadly. I think we all run into that. But here's the point. This is what Richard L. Evans said, and he was a member of the 70s. This is in a conference message in October of 1969, page 68. Conference reports, October 1969, page 68. 
We all make mistakes, he said. If our repentance is sincere, we have the right to approach him for forgiveness. But remember, we are not entitled to any quota of mistakes. It is always better that we don't make them. And surely we shouldn't go on stupidly or stubbornly repeating the same old mistakes over and over again. We ought to have learned our lessons. It isn't enough to be just as good today as we were yesterday. We should be better. The Lord doesn't deal in theories. When he says perfection is possible, we'd better be improving. But one of the most devilish doctrines that anyone could advocate would be to say that because someone had made a mistake, it wouldn't matter if he made one more or many more. The best time to repent is now, before the next time. So while Stephanie sounds like she's admitting there's shortcomings here, as we all should, these are not the actions of a truly repentant person according to the status of Mormonism and according to what Richard L. Evans said in this conference message back in October of 1969. Her final point is this, we can have happiness forever. She writes, I am in no way going to say that being a Mormon means you'll have no trials. False, all in capital letters. But many of us can handle our hard times and our struggles much easier with the knowledge we do have. Happiness is so much more abundant when we follow the teachings of Jesus Christ and try to be better every day. People often ask me how I can be happy all the time, and it's because I know where I came from, why I'm here, and where I'm going. Now, here's the problem that I have with with what she says. She looks at happiness as trying to be like Jesus, trying to be better every day. But you know what? A thoughtful, deep-thinking person who really recognizes their shortcomings as a human, and I'm not just talking about the superficial, surfacey stuff, but the real deep groanings that many of us have as a Christian, we realize we are sinners. We come short of the glory of God. That doesn't give me happiness. But wait a minute. She just said in the previous point that she's not perfect and she does blow it sometimes. So how could she be happy all the time? I think that's kind of a misnomer for anybody to say I can be happy all the time. Nobody is. I don't think anybody is happy all the time. And I'm not saying happiness is something that eludes Christians because that's not true. But you know what? If my happiness was based on my personal ability to be better every day, I think that would certainly rob me of my happiness. What gives me joy, however, is knowing that despite my shortcomings, that I still have the forgiveness of sins. So this is why when she says she knows where I came from, why I'm here and where I'm going, naturally, that's a phrase that a lot of Latter-day Saints use. Okay, where are you going, Stephanie? Where are you going, Latter-day Saint, who may be listening? Do you have absolute faith and assurance that when you die, you are going to end up in the celestial kingdom? You heard Eric read from Spencer Kimball. He said the only way you can be guaranteed that you have the forgiveness of sins is by doing what? Living all the commandments. If you are living all the commandments... You wouldn't be using this phrase, I'm trying to be better every day. You've already arrived. Because a person who lives all the commandments has nothing to repent of. They know they're doing what Spencer Kimball said needs to be done. If we were to write a top 10 list for why we ought to be a Christian, I bet you'd have a number one. 
because you can be forgiven of your sins. You can have the assurance of that forgiveness of sins, but yet why is it when we tell Mormons that we have that, we're accused of being arrogant? That's because they view our assurance as being based on something they think we've accomplished. And that's not true. If it was based on our personal performance, there is no way that we could have such an assurance. There is no way that we could know for sure that our sins are forgiven. It's only because of what Jesus did on our behalf. And then she writes this to finish this out. She says, so ready to be Mormon? Well, maybe not yet, but you can know for yourself if all these things I've said are true by learning and praying. You can know they're true by learning and praying. Here's my objection to that, because many times when you bring up something that you've learned to a Latter-day Saint, they want you to reject what you learned, and they'll tell you what? Well, just pray about it. When it comes to the forgiveness of sins, I trust in what Jesus did for me, the promises that he made for his people. That's what's important to us, definitely. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism. As with most Christian organizations, Mormonism Research Ministry depends on the generous financial support of friends like you. If you like what we do and how we do it, would you consider helping MRM meet its financial obligations? Merely go to our website, mrm.org. At the right, you'll see a donate button. Click there and follow the instructions. MRM is a Christian nonprofit 501c3 organization and your gifts are tax deductible. Not only that, they are greatly appreciated. Thank you for your support of this ministry.